Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing again. Believe in a power greater than what you are going through when you don't know what to do. That's right. When you don't know what to do, just keep on breathing. In the city of angels in Los Angeles, in the Big Apple in New York City. Welcome to all my listeners out there in Radio Land. I'm Dave, the Caregiver's Caregiver at caregiverdave.com, along with my lovely co-host, Adrian Gruberg at thecaregiverspace.org. And we're coming to you live and on demand 24-7 on numerous syndicated radio and podcast networks on 26, count them, 26 global audio and video platforms including iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, SoundCloud, and a whole bunch more. And we're proud to be voted number one caregiver podcast of the top 50 on Player FM, and number two caregiver podcast on Feedspot out of the top 60, and number two on CaringVillage.com. And we have an especially exciting show planned for you today, don't we, Adrian? Yes, we do. <laughs> Debbie Clark, how to balance your life in extreme challenges, the parallels between complex parenting and elderly caregiving. I was going to say elderly parenting. That's sometimes that's what it is, isn't it? But before we get started, I want to take this moment to thank my last week's guest, Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith. Are you getting the right type of rest as a caregiver? That was a good show. So many different kinds of rest. And just a reminder, you can watch her listen to that interview and all our interviews on our membership website, caregiverdave.com or any of our other 26 global networks that I mentioned earlier. Okay, enough of that. Debbie, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Dave and Adrian. So excited to have you on. I like to ask my guests just who is Debbie Clark and why was she placed on this earth? (laughs) (laughs) Well, placed on the earth is a good question. (laughs) But um, I am the single mother of two adopted children uh, that were diagnosed with um, multiple uh, mental illnesses, multiple learning disabilities. They both identified separately under the LGBTQ community. Um, I ended up having a horrendous divorce. So I ended up being a single parent um, through all of the trauma that we all experienced. Uh, we ended up having anxiety and depression. Uh, to make a long story short, uh, I went through two executive jobs, went on disability four times, had to reinvent myself numerous times. And now that I've retired and my kids are all grown up, I uh, decided that I wanted to uh, help other parents. And so I have written a book uh, called When Parenting is Too Much, A Mother's Guide to Balance, Adoption, Mental Illness, LGBTQ, Trauma and Divorce. Wow, usually somebody you go ahead. A David. perfect storm. <laughs> you, usually someone who goes through all of that looks like hell, but you look pretty damn good. Yeah. Well, to be honest, you I have a picture of me about 10 years ago and you wouldn't think it was the same person. So are you gonna I, show it to us? No. Okay. <laughs> well, I looked cool. older at 40 than I do at over 60. So <laughs> Well, you had a pretty good makeover then. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've worked on myself a lot. I've had to learn an awful lot. And that's what this book is about. I really want to be able to help other parents that are completely overwhelmed 
And I found that uh, it's it's very, very similar to, um, you know, elderly day, uh, you know, uh, caretaking. Well, we can delve into your past, but I don't really want to do that. I've heard enough about it. <laughs> uh, you know, we want to stay positive here. And the, the fact that you look like a million bucks uh, is testimony that you, whatever you're doing, you're doing it right. And so we want to find out what you're doing so that all these other people who are going through the same hell that you went through, uh, they can come out of it with a smile on their face and a makeover and looking good. So you're launching a new book called When Parenting is Too Much, A Mother's Guide to Balance, Adoption, Mental Illness. Is that the whole um, yes. uh, subtotal? That's a long subtotal. That's a long subtotal. subtotal. There's a lot of... Idle. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to try to create a new category of parenting in the world called complex parenting. Wow. The only problem that I've had is people go, well, what do you mean by complex parenting? And, and so it can be a number of different. More than just special needs. Exactly. It's, it's anything that would be over and above what I'll call <laughs> typical parenting, which is hard enough. Yeah. But when you have multiple, you know, complex challenges to parenting, typical parenting won't work anymore. And so you have to come up with other tools. And, um, and I came up with four guiding pillars that got me through it and on the other side. Well, let's talk uh, about those four guiding. You got a question? Maybe? Yeah, I just wanted to know uh, how long were you a single parent in all of this? How long were you together? Before you well, did- uh, believe it or not, um, we had been married for 13 years. Uh, I was not able to conceive. So we adopted our mm-hmm. first daughter after 13 years of marriage. The birth mother had a second child uh, 13 months later, so we adopted the second one. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were basically divorced about seven years after that. <laughs> Did you say both of those daughters uh, became yes. gay? Oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> so I ended up getting a default divorce, uh, which I won't get into the divorce. That's a whole other book. Um, but I ended up having five lawyers, et cetera, just to get through the divorce. Um, and, but I went through a major depression at the same time. And, um, and then I had to deal with all of the issues uh, surrounding adoption and mental illnesses and LGBTQ, which which I knew nothing about any of them. Uh, and I needed to navigate uh, all of that. Any one of those is, is just uh, daunting. Yes, I can, I can agree. (laughs) You know, there's the age old uh, debate of whether, you know, uh, being gay is hereditary or environmental. Here you have two daughters from the same birth mother. Do you have any um, uh, theories on that? <laughs> I, I most certainly have theories um, and because both my children, even though they came from the same uh, biological mother, they had separate biological fathers. Um, but my youngest one. I knew that she was attracted to other females, uh, probably around three years old. Mm. Uh, I never said anything to her, but I suspected. And by the age of nine, um, she was basically announcing to the world that she was a boy without a penis. Uh, and I, I brought her to a, um, a, a sexual orientation uh, therapy group just to find out for discovery. And, uh, and then I found out that... Uh, I learned about transgender and lesbian and, and, and gay and, and the, all of the different 
plus signs of LGBTQ plus. And, um, and then she, like about a, two or three weeks later, she, she announced, uh, mom, I'm gay. And she was only nine years old, but she started wearing male clothes by 15 or 16. She identified as male. Um, but, uh, we changed her, her name to an androgynous name. And I said, if you want to continue this, then on your 18th birthday, I will, um, I will officially change it. And we did, but she has now identified as non-binary. And so she, um, doesn't feel that necessary to have a, uh, a transformation of genders. I was, I was going to ask about, has either of them transitioned? No, yeah. but she did, um, did practice it and she did explore it for about three or four years. Gotcha. I'm curious to know how you knew at three years old, what did you see? What did you um, uh, ascertain? Well, the first thing that happened, which was a little bit curious, was she wanted to have an open mouth, open mouth kiss with mummy. Um, and I said, you know, no, you don't have those kinds of kisses with mommy. You know, mommy would have that kind of a kiss with daddy, but not, you know, with, with, with my daughter. How did she Uh, know what an open mouth kiss was? I guess she watched us and (laughs) I don't know. It was curious. It was like, I was very curious, but she also with her girlfriends, she acted different. She was completely innocent. She didn't know, but you know, like when little kids have crushes, they weren't platonic friendships. They were real crushes. And so, and also she was very different than my, my eldest was a very typical, you know, princess pink, you know, dolls, you know, that type of thing. And my younger one was, you know, Batman and, and trucks and, you know, so I mean, All of the stereotypes. And and I certainly wasn't encouraging either one. Um, So it was very, I found it was very, very natural. And it was certainly not anything that um, she wished upon. It it caused her a a great amount of pain and grief. Uh, She was also raised Catholic um, and went to a Catholic school and and got ostracized for it. Um, I subsequently... I guess have, I mean, I, I guess I have a strong faith, but I don't necessarily practice Catholicism anymore. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's been a real journey. Sounds like both of your daughters had a different journey through the same destination. No. Oh, the, the oldest one was the exact opposite. She, um, she was boy crazy from day one. Really? Um, she's had unlimited number of boys and then believe it or not, um, last year during the pandemic, she announced at Facebook that she was bisexual and that, I was a little bit taken, taken back. Um, you didn't my see other daughter, she, I didn't see it coming at all. Although my, my younger daughter had said that she was bisexual and I, I just said, I don't think so. Um, mm. And I asked her, I said, well, because of, I mean, we were an extremely open family and because of the, you know, the therapy and the, and the, you know, the, the work that I had to do with my younger daughter, it, it was very open. I said, I, I'm just very curious why you felt a, you, she had known about it since she was 16. So about eight years and why all of a sudden announce it and why all of a sudden announce it on Facebook when, you know, would have been, I would have preferred, you know, kind of knowing about it in advance. So um, it was a very different 
you know, discovery. And I mean, there was no ill will or anything like that. We, we talked it out and, you know, it was, it's just, I guess with, you know, she was living on her own and she had a, a, a girlfriend online and I guess she just wanted to announce it to the world. So it was complete opposites. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm spending time on this because, you know, this is a topic that not many people talk about the topic that, you know, all us normal people, uh, yeah. you know, we're, we're confused about, we don't understand, you know, we're hearing things about it on the media and it's just coming very fast. And, and uh, here we have a real life subject who went through uh, a lot of this stuff. Uh, it's, it's good to share it. And, well, uh, in my book, uh, my number two pillar is getting to know your children and for who they are. And uh, in that chapter or in that pillar, I go through about four chapters. So I go through each one of those complex issues, uh, you know, adoption, mental illnesses, uh, LGBTQ and, uh, and, and behavioral and developmental and, and things like that. So, um, yeah, it's, it is quite a, um, it's, it's different. And, and of course, growing up Catholic myself, I didn't even know mm. all the letters and what they meant. And <laughs> <laughs> so it was a real learning curve for me. And they keep adding to the letters. So, yes. You know. yes. Um, so why did you publish the book? I mean, you started saying why you did, but what, what do you want? Uh, what goals do you have for the book? Uh, how do you want it to change the world, et cetera? Well, I mean, there's two reasons why I wanted to write the book. One was um, I had, when I was raising my children, I had very little resources available to me. If, if I had any one of these subjects, they would address it, but they wouldn't address all the different combinations. For instance, I'm not sure if you know, but over 75% of LGBTQ um, youth have mental illnesses and are homeless and, you know, are, are bullied and, you know, those types of things. So that the, all of these complex issues intermingle um, adoption uh, over 60% of adopted children have ADHD. ADHD. Uh, so there's quite a few intermingling, and yet all of these specialists and support groups only really addressed one area. And so I wanted, I basically had to learn on my own the combinations. And so that's why I wanted to write the book. And, and the second what came thing first, was, the chicken or the egg, you know? Yeah, exactly. And then the second thing was, uh, as I mentioned, um, there's an awful lot of parenting books out in the out in the world. But none of them really, really address all of these complex issues and none of them as multiple, uh, you know, complex parenting. So I want to be able to create uh, a new category in the world for for complex parenting. Yeah, I so think that is, that's necessary. I think you were called to this. You definitely needed to write a book and tell your story. And I agree with you. Um, have you had any support about the uh, added category of complex parenting? Very much so. I, I, I'll not, well, the first question is, what is it? So I still haven't kind of ironed out how I'm going to succinctly define it. Um, I think that will hopefully come with evolution. <laughs> but um, uh, yes, I've had a lot of positive feedback on, oh, my God, we need this in the world. So I'm really quite um, motivated. Yeah. I have a question about uh, whether or not you were in touch with the birth mothers through the process at all. Funny enough, um, my eldest daughter found her 
100% sibling on Facebook from the same birth mother and the same birth father. Um, and through there, we ended up meeting the birth mother. And to this day, my children are, uh, we're, we're all in, in very good relation. Um, I do consider her family just on the account of my children. Um, okay. We get together two or three times a year. Uh, but my children are very, very close to her. As a matter of fact, a couple of times, um, they've actually lived with her uh, in between um, living arrangements. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. And what is she like? Um, very different from me. I mean, I grew up in a, in a middle-class, you know, typical middle-class society where everybody had a house and a backyard and a car and a dog and, you know, jobs. And it was expected to go to university, you know, et cetera. Um, she comes from the, uh, a lower income family, um, broken families, um, no education, uh, drugs and alcohol are, are kind of rampant. Um, so she had a very different upbringing and, uh, but she's, she's a, a wonderful woman. I mean, she's just, she's very, very strong. I respect her resilience, um, I, and her power. Um, we have not an awful lot in common other than the two girls, but I have the utmost respect for her and, uh, she really appreciates, you know, the effort I made to raise her children. Is she clean and sober now? Oh, definitely. She's been clean and sober for many, many years. Was she surprised how her daughters turned out? Um, yes, I, I think she she has. They, my my daughters still have a lot of issues, um, and um, there's an awful lot of similarities between them, even though I raised them. So there's another area in my book that I talk about, which is a whole new science that I, I'm looking at, which is called epigenetics. Um, and, uh, there's a, they feel really comfortable with her. Mm. Um, there's an awful lot of familiarity, even though they only met her once they were uh, 19 and 20 years old. Yeah. Wow. So what do you think, uh, are the similarities between complex parenting, your new category and yes. elderly caregiving, <laughs> which is an old category? Well, um, elderly caregiving, I guess as, as, our seniors get older, um, you know, their, their minds tend to go. So, you know, the similarities for mental illnesses can be, you know, the same. Um, there is a, a, a tremendous amount of stress, I believe, in, in both situations where you as a parent slash caregiver, um, and I can pretty well say a caregiver in either sense, it's just one as a child and one as an adult, um, but your life, your life revolves around them almost, you know, like their needs are so demanding sometimes, physically, mentally, emotionally, um, sometimes even, uh, you know, uh, spiritually. Um, so there's, I find there's an awful lot of similarities, but the unpredictableness, depending on, especially if they have things like Alzheimer's or dementia, um, you know, the, the behavior may be erratic, maybe uh, combative, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of uncertainty and stress that goes along with both. Uh, they're both family members, so they're very, very close emotionally to you. You're emotionally attached. Uh, so it's um, sometimes hard to um, step away and uh, really do some self-care. Uh, so, that, yeah, I find there's an awful lot of, uh, of similarities. 
that I find there's differences too, though. The child caregiver is put in a position of having to become a parent to a parent. Mm. Yes. And there are the complications that that bring into it. Exactly. Exactly. And, and uh, so, and that's, difficult. I think it's difficult for, for both of them. I, I remember um, my mother passed away about 20 years ago. She had multiple sclerosis. So she was bedridden by that time. And my kids were babies at the time. And I know that my father and I were exchanging, um, you know, kind of like um, bathing uh, routines. And my dad had, had not heard about whites. Uh, you know, that I would I would learn about from babies. And he was so happy to hear about whites. <laughs> yeah, they are a wonderful invention, I must say. They are fantastic. <laughs> There's a new product on it. It's called uh, Dude Wipes or something like that. I saw it on Shark Tank. Yeah. Uh, just, yeah. just different packaging and you got a whole new industry. Yeah, except that I'm changing, you know, a, a, a person this size and he's changing a full grown, you know, woman. So that. Right. You know, the, the, the concept is the same, <laughs> but the application is very different. Yes. Uh, a, a newer mousetrap, so to speak. Yes. So, so you said you were never a caregiver yet. Is that what I remember or no? Uh, no. Well, like I said, my mother had passed when about 20 years ago and I was, um, you know, I had young children, but she was living with my father. Um, actually, my father remarried um, at the age of 79. Um, and, uh, unfortunately my stepmom, uh, has just passed away a couple of weeks ago at the age of 88. And, but it was very, very sudden. Um, they were still living, uh, independently in an apartment, uh, and, um, you know, God rest her soul. She passed exactly the way she wanted to. Uh, it was, she said, I want it. I want to leave this apartment feet first without pain. And that's exactly what happened. It was a very sudden uh, it, it lasted about a week, even though she was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. It was very, very, very fast. Yeah. And um, yeah, so now my dad is is on his own. He's 91. Um, my sister and I are, are of the, uh, you know, obviously we need to take care of him from a he's alone perspective, but there is nothing wrong with his mind. He's smarter wow. than us to get combined. <laughs> do you worry about him? I do. One day. I do. Yeah. Physically, he is deteriorating. He's he rides around in his uh, Moby chair called Char. He calls it Char, and because <laughs> um, his knee is he, and he certainly doesn't want to get it, um, you know, operated on. So that's right. uh, you know, but <clears throat> you know, he, he he does. He's written now about five books of of his own. I guess maybe I've taken after him, oh. and um, yeah, it's uh, he's a remarkable man. That's awesome. Do you live near him? I unfortunately, uh, through the pandemic uh, and when I retired, I moved north of Toronto. Um, so I live about two hours north. My sister still lives in Toronto. So she's within, I mean, it's like New York, right? Like anything is, yeah. if, if you're within an hour's drive, you're within distance. Right. So, you know, even two hours, you know, I guess we're all used to it, but um but we we've made it a point now that now that he's alone uh, between he and uh, my sister and I, we want to make sure he we see him at least once a week. Yeah, I can't believe, I can't believe how fast the time has gone. How can we get your book uh, and learn all about this stuff? Well, um, I'm going to be launching my book in early June. 
I'm, I'm just in the latter stages of editing at this point. Um, Are so you into pre-sales that you can do that? I will be. I will be for sure. And it will definitely be on Amazon, but I will be making announcements, um, you know, through social media. And I do have a website uh, that is called uh, www.complexparentingresolve.com. So Great. all one word, complexparentingresolve.com. And, and I will be developing it as the book comes out and I'll be adding more material. I will be following up with, you know, every chapter almost can be a book of its own. And, um, and hopefully I'm going to start courses and this is just the beginning of my journey. So this is my, my, as Jane Fonda said, this is my third act. <laughs> well, we will have to buy each other's book. My book is in pre-sales uh, being launched Cinco de Mayo, May 5th, Secrets from the Hammock, Uncommon Wisdom for Uncommon Times. And so I'll send you the link so you can do that. And I will do it for you as well. Oh, please do. And uh, I am so glad that you came on the show to tell us all about all this new stuff that maybe some of us have not heard about before. Well, I thank you for having me. It's been fun. Yeah. Glad we did it. Adrian, uh, how can we get a hold of uh, your website and your Facebook group where you have these wonderful chats going on? Yes, the, the website's more of a magazine. Uh, it's very informative. Uh, it's the, the caregiverspace.org. And then, <clears throat> pardon me, the Facebook page is uh, the caregiver space. And that's where you'll find all the communities, all the chat rooms. And uh, if you want to reach me, it's Adrian at the caregiverspace.org. And I, I understand you have a few followers uh, on your Facebook page, Adrian. How many is that now? <laughs> <laughs> it's over 165. Yeah. Oh, wow. 6,000. Uh, 165,000. Thousand. Okay. You forgot the thousand part. All right. Well, when I grow up, I want to be just like Adrian. I'm <laughs> 35,000. So well, I, I appreciate what you guys do. My my age group, you know, in the early 60s, we all have our um, challenges being, you know, kind of like the sandwich generation. So I really applaud both of you. I'm glad you think we're in the same age. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, again, a reminder that all our live shows become recorded podcasts and video casts on our platforms that I mentioned earlier. And don't forget to check out my membership website, caregiverdave.com. It's a free support group with lots of tools and resources and free gifts, as well as my Facebook page with the same name, caregiverdave.com. And Adrian has uh, chat rooms on her Facebook page, which is the caregiver space. And don't forget to click the like button below on whatever platform you're watching this so that Google can give us uh, kudos on the algorithms and get more caregivers to listen to our interviews. And thanks so much for making us number one. And, uh, to all my listeners out there all over the world, thank you so much. God bless you and have a wonderful day. See you next week. Our featured speaker is a best-selling author who has written numerous books and articles. He's a speaker, life coach, and host of Dave, the Caregiver's Caregiver radio program. He frequently appears on television and radio shows all across the country and has even shared the stage with Suzanne Summers at Harvard. But his most important role is caregiver to his beautiful wife, Charlene, for over 22 years. Please welcome Mr. Dave Nassani! 
I want to share with you a love story. In a couple of weeks, my wife and I will be celebrating 44 years of being together. My wife, Charlene, and I had a fairy tale, storybook, romance, courtship, and marriage for the first 21 years of our lives together. One day, out of nowhere, my wife has a headache, the headache of her life. She suffered a massive stroke, and it left her severely speech-impaired and paralyzed on the right side. And in that moment, our world turned upside down. I gotta tell you, the next two years was like a living hell. I just didn't know what to do. I felt guilty most of the time. I became a caregiver. I didn't even know what a caregiver was. I was experiencing the same problems that other caregivers experienced. If you don't take care of you, I can't take care of her. Well, that's why I wrote the book. Now I can teach other caregivers. I'm living proof that you can thrive as a caregiver. My wife and I travel now all over the world sharing our story. One day, life is gonna call upon you to be the captain of your boat. Heck, you might be saving your own life. Thank you. Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise. Like the birds will never sing. Uh.